The Whole Health Cure with Dr. Sharon Berquist, the podcast that brings you inspiration and skills for living a healthy and fulfilled life. Welcome to the Whole Health Cure podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Berquist. On this podcast, we explore the science and provide inspiration and skills for living your happiest, most fulfilling, and healthiest life. Today, our topic is improving human performance. I'm joined by Robert Chapman. Robert is a wellness program manager for Emory University Blomeyer Fitness Center Health Fitness Corporation. He's also the assistant athletic director for City of Snellville, Georgia Parks and Recreation Department, where he's had the opportunity to work with all age groups through different mediums of wellness and fitness programming. He's a research coordinator for Emory University School of Public Health and American College of Sports Medicine. He has previously worked as a wellness specialist to Fortune 500 companies. He was also the lead wellness manager for DeKalb Medical Wellness Centers in charge of assisting the wellness center to become the first certified medical fitness center in the state of Georgia and was the head strength and conditioning basketball coach for Grayson Athletic Association for over five years. He received his bachelor's of science degree in exercise science from Georgia State University and an MBA with a concentration in human resource management from Louisiana State University. Robert loves spending time with his wife and two-year-old son, and of course, to cycle, run, and exercise as often as possible. Robert, thank you so much for joining us today. Sharon, thanks for having me. Robert, in your incredible experience working with different groups, with universities, with corporations, what would you consider to be the why behind fitness? So I think the underlining theme behind fitness overall, whether um, the medium is through Parks and Rec or corporate wellness, uh, medical fitness, uh, retail fitness, wherever the medium may be, I really feel that the why behind it is to connect to purpose. Um, Whether they're members or they're patients, uh, they need to have a why or a need to work out. Um, case in point, uh, when you look at an athlete, an athlete works out because they want to win games or in, in order to win games, they want to eventually win a championship or playoffs or whatever their goal may be. Uh, in terms of an office worker or corporate fitness, that may be more along the lines of just wanting to release stress and dealing with the day-to-day issues that come in a corporate environment. Um In regards to maybe stay-at-home parents um, in park and rec situations, uh, they use exercise or fitness in a way to just reconnect to what they did prior to becoming uh, parents. And in terms of medical patients, uh, their overall goal may be to um, to work around different comorbidities that they've uh, recently acquired and just get back to life as it was at whatever um, point in time in life that what's comfortable and exciting for them. So underlying theme is using fitness, but the why or the con- connection behind it is very is slightly different between each group. Yeah, and that's a really good point because, you know, I'm sure you see this a lot where people may sign up for a membership mm-hmm. and find that maybe the first week they go, by the second week it's less, and then they stop going. And Really a good question then for people to ask themselves is why did you sign up and ask the question about the goals? Now, who's the person that typically does this? So most people that sign up 
to go to a gym or go to a parks and recreation, don't first say, why do I want to go? How is that structured? Is that something that's done by fitness programs, by personal trainers? It's a combination of, of all of those mm-hmm. things um, because you have those who are more interested in programming, uh, whether it's uh uh, small group training or one-on-one personal training or even in regards to uh, group fitness classes or even from a park and recreation standpoint it may be um, the knitting uh, the knitting club or it may be uh, adult co-ed softball flag football soccer uh, basketball volleyball so forth and so on um, those are the different things that connect someone to uh, that fitness medium and keeps them coming back over and over again. And I feel like that's the reason why we see a lot of people uh, start kind of bouncing around between one, say, fitness facility or one fitness medium to the other because they just may not have found that true connection that keeps them coming back. Yeah, and that's a really good point because there's so many options now, you know, and the types of exercise and the settings within which a person can exercise. So maybe you know, from what I'm hearing is that a good approach for a person who maybe didn't have luck with continuing with one program is to kind of continually revisit because there's a lot about fit, right, for sustaining any type of attendance at a program and figuring out, you know, do you like individual exercise? Do you like group exercise? Do you like to do it indoors, outdoors, et cetera? Absolutely. And also it may be seasonal as well. You know, case in point um, for someone who may be an avid, as an example, a co-ed softball player, um, they may only like to play in a spring season because it's too hot in the summer and too cold in the fall, even though this fall has been uh, blistering hot, but uh, typically it's a little cooler. So, you know, case in point, um, that might be their uh, fitness medium in the spring, whereas in the other seasons, they may choose to work out at a maybe a retail gym or a corporate fitness facility in order to prepare for that spring season. Sure, sure. And you know, in line with that is this concept of functional fitness, right? And, and can you explain a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So in regards to functional fitness, that... Um, really goes hand in hand with the why. So uh, I see it all the time in regards to someone comes to the gym and they uh, just kind of look like a deer in the headlights looking around, um, not sure what to do. So uh, first thing they may do is let's go to our safety net and that might be um, hitting the treadmill, the elliptical, maybe the bench press. That's where they feel comfortable at, whatever it may be, um, even though that might not be exactly what they need or might not really benefit them in their day-to-day life. Functional fitness um, really just means, you know, what are you doing on a day-to-day basis? Case in point of uh, the person who may do uh, co-ed softball in the spring. So obviously, if you're playing softball, you need to be able to hit, you need to be able to run, you need to be able to catch. So uh, during their off-season or even during the season, when they're working out, it may be more beneficial to do exercises that are more geared towards um uh, swings or um, rotational forces, uh, things of, of that nature, um, running, cutting in different directions. Um, so that way when they do uh, 
when spring does roll around, it's easier for are they able to perform better um, for that uh, sport. And also it also translates to, let's say, the um, stay at home parent, um, as we uh know that when it comes to little ones that they're getting bigger and bigger you need to get stronger and stronger as well in order to lift them up put them in car seats pull them out of the car seat um you know uh, things of that nature and just your day-to-day activity so going into the workout and having a mindset of well these are the things i may do on a day-to-day basis and this is where i may feel weaker at so i may want to do exercises that will help me so I, i can improve upon my uh areas of opportunity yeah that's a really great perspective because I think a lot of people view those two buckets as different. One is, you know, what they do in their daily lives and the other is the workout as a separate component, Mm -hmm. not thinking necessarily that there are specific exercises that can make you more effective in how you function every day. And, And maybe part of that is because exercise is a lot of times kind of lumped in one bucket. You know, where people say, I exercise, I do aerobic, and I do strength resistance, as opposed to, I need, you know, this muscle group to lift a baby, I need this muscle group, et cetera. When you see people approach exercise, like, if you were to coach someone on maybe, like, top three advice that you would give that you maybe see people do repeatedly that you wish you could communicate so maybe people did it differently and got more out of exercise what would you say that would be Um, probably the top things um, I would uh, recommend um, or change if possible um, is uh, instead of like you said which is um, 100% on point of uh, looking at strength training and strength training cardio is cardio um, and not really blending it together. So really, you can blend it together um, to a certain point, but again, really just making sure it pairs well with, again, your day-to-day life, whatever, again, that may be. Um, That would be the number one thing to, that I would recommend people changing. Case in point, let's uh, how we talked about um, a small baby. Um, how we know when it comes to small children, uh, some people have small children that don't really like to uh, take off, and they're you know pretty, um, you know once they're somewhere that's it. And then we have uh, other parents who have kids that are sprinters at age of as soon as they start walking, they just start sprinting. So obviously, let's say for like that parent, they may want to work on just being able to sprint and catch their child um, instead of them, uh, you know. Uh, Instead of it being a, a daunting task of, oh, there, you know, there he or she goes again, and we're trying to catch him, but eventually he'll slow down. You know, why not behave in a situation where you can catch him or actually have enjoy the uh, sprinting aspect of, or the running aspect of running with your child instead of looking at it as if, oh, he's younger, he has the energy. No, it, it, you could have it too as well if that's something that you worked on. Yeah, and I'm just you know thinking. That you know, for myself or anybody who walks into a gym, how does a person decide which are the exercises that help them accomplish their functional goal? Like, let's say again, I I have children. If I want to pick them up, how do I decide which exercises I want to do to be very effective at be being able to do what I do regularly in my life? So I will um, break it down, you know, because not obviously not everyone uh, may be a doctor or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, have years, years exercise experience. So 
I'll break it down into like a fu- into fundamental uh, four segments. Um, let's look at it from an upper body push or pull. We'll look at it from a lower body push or pull, um, and then from that standpoint, filling those different buckets um, with different exercises um, that fit those buckets, but making sure again as we're filling those buckets, instead um, that those buckets may not need to be. Um, even and when I say even, we may not. As an example, if we have 30 minutes for a workout, we it may not be beneficial to put, say, three or four exercises in upper push or upper pull or lower lower push, lower pull in each bucket. It may be beneficial if our error opportunity may be, let's say, if we're weaker in the upper body and we know we're kind of having aches and pains after, say, maybe you know lifting a child or lifting. Um, a softball bag or a gym bag or things like that or a briefcase, whatever we may be walking around with, and we're uh, having um, just struggling kind of, you know, picking it up, putting it where it may need to go or case water, whatever it may be, then we may want to do maybe, maybe a few more exercises um, in, the, in those buckets versus maybe our lower body if that's the case. So, so you start off with four buckets. What are the types of things that will go into an upper body push versus upper body pull? Like, can you explain those buckets a little bit more? Sure. So, like, from a a very, very basic uh, standpoint, let's say, like, an upper push might be a bench press. Mm -hmm. Um, Upper pull might be a bent over row or just a row all together. You know, that's really kind of breaking down, like, the upper Mm -hmm. uh, push and pull. Okay. So kind of pushing away from you, pulling in towards you, and the same with the legs. Absolutely. Pushing away, pulling towards you, and finding exercises within, you know, the equipment that's available that blend all of these. Absolutely. And how do you decide how much? Like, again, like you said, if you have 30 minutes and you're trying to figure out how much do I need to do to actually gain strength? You know, some Mm -hmm. people say do you you know, up to six reps. And if you can do six, then you need to go to the next weight if you're trying to build strength. Like what's a good strategy of how many exercises versus the repetitions? Um, So I would look at it from a a qualitative perspective of how do you feel? Um, Because we can go based off the numbers of, you know, if, you know, if you do six and you want to, you know, and that's, you know, pretty easy, then let's do eight. But if we, you know, pair that back with the with being functional fit, fitness, and then we um, even peel it back even further to the why. When we're doing those workouts, how how do we feel when we're actually you know performing our day to day tasks? Are they becoming even easier? Um, if so, then great. Let's keep adding on so it becomes easier and easier. If it's not becoming easier, then let's maybe reevaluate what we're doing and maybe change out the exercises that are in those different buckets. Um, so that, because again, the overall goal is to, you know, improve our overall day-to-day performance. Mm-hmm. So before uh, going up in numbers or lower in numbers, you know, just starting off with, uh, uh, ACSM recommends three sets of 10 starting off with, um, starting off with those numbers and picking a weight where we can actually go through those numbers of sets and reps. Uh, again, looking from qualitative standpoint of, how do we feel? Are we able to, like, you know, like I said, lift, lift um, softball bag or briefcase or um, child or whatever it may be? 
And, and in what amount of time is it fair to evaluate that, right? Because you go to the gym for a week, you're not mm-hmm. necessarily going to be able to lift a briefcase any better. What's a good time interval to evaluate if you need to be changing up your routine? Um, typically, um, you know, patience is key. So anywhere between. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a, a nice way thing. to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no pain, no gain. <laughs> uh, you know, I would say definitely six six to eight weeks. Give yourself some time because this is something new. Your body has to adapt to it, um, get used to it, and um, just through overall hypertrophy and um, – through, uh, through hypertrophy and just overall uh, the muscles um, getting stronger and different motor patterns being built, uh, it takes at least six to eight weeks to, you know, actually start realizing or seeing the gains. Obviously, some people see it faster. Some people see it um, a little bit later, but typically six to eight weeks. And six to eight weeks of how many times a week? Uh, ACSM um, says in terms of strength training, uh, you can go about two to three times per week, and you can do cardio um you know, about uh, as often as you like. Um, of course, ACSM recommends um, 150 minutes per week of moderate to intense activity. Okay, yeah. And, and it seems like there are always trends in fitness, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, and there are always the top 10 of 2019 fitness trends. Do you find that, for example, like high-intensity interval training usually is in that top 10 versus other forms of training? Is there an advantage to one type or another, or is it just preference? It's it's really preference um, because we all have different personalities, So, and and hence why there's so many different mediums of fitness. So um, some people may not really thrive, and I've seen it plenty of times, in a hit environment where it's 30 minutes and it's as fast-paced as you um, can go, and it's just all out. Um, some people thrive in a better in a environment where it's maybe a little bit slower pace, maybe um, low impact, um, or, or some people like spinning. It all depends on the person. Okay. And also yoga fits in that um, bucket as well. I know um, sometimes uh, we look at yoga as just being stretching, but yoga um, is also a form of strength building as well. And also there's multiple types of different of yoga uh, out there. So yeah. yoga isn't just stretching, but you can also build muscle and things like that. And again, that for some people, that's the medium that they choose and absolutely love it. Yeah. And, and on that note, there, you know, as you mentioned, there are so many different types of exercise. But how about the role of fitness communities? Absolutely. Um, so overall, when it comes to fitness communities, you have you know, starting off with your retail gyms. Uh, you have diff- um, different types. You have um, some of your smaller boutique gyms. I'm sorry, some of your smaller retail gyms that may be less intimidating. But they're sales focused. Then you may have your bigger ones, such as your LA Fitness, that are a bigger ecosystem, um, and some people love that bigger culture. Uh, again, they're still uh, sales focused. Um, also, when it comes to retail uh, gyms, uh, from a staffing model, um, it's you know kind of a mixed bag uh, in regards to um, maybe the knowledge or the experience or education of the staff. Um, So as the culture may fit um, the member um, of that, uh, they just have to be cognizant of um, how the information is being delivered and just maybe, and of course, with anyone in in any situation, just fact-checking and just making sure um, that the information they're getting is 
um, is valid for sure. And within the communities, it's important to kind of find your tribe, right? Some people do really well in group classes. Some mm-hmm. people prefer smaller settings. Some people want to do kind of now, you know, more of the online competition type communities um, that are more virtual and can get very competitive in those. Some people like to use apps. Um, you know, are you seeing any um, changes in the way pe- people are really reaching out to these communities? You know, there's so much technology. There's so many options now that it's hard to even keep up. Are, are you seeing more of a trend towards fitness communities that, for example, are virtual versus historically being more the actual group class? Um I don't. I wouldn't say that it's uh, maybe trending towards um, virtual. I would say that um, those who never took uh, maybe a group fitness class or a small group or one-on-one personal training, um, they're finally uh, finding a medium that fits them. Uh, so we're just seeing an, a group that was that's never been tapped before finally being um, tapped or touched, uh, which is a great thing because that's now they're instead of just kind of lurking in the shadows there you know, feeling, again, a part of that community, and they're also reaching their goals. It may be a little bit different, but at the end of the day, as long as you're reaching your goals, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, also for people who are looking for the one-on-one, I know, you know, a lot of my patients like to work with personal trainers. They find it very motivating, and then they like to have someone direct their workouts for them. If a person's looking for a personal trainer, what are the traits that they should look for um, or certifications, et cetera, to know that they found the right trainer? So in regards to um, personal trainers um, or, tra- or trainers in general, um, it varies um, dramatically um, within the, uh, the field. Uh, you, ha- uh, you have those who have... Um, obviously, um, degrees in exercise science um, or kinesiology, whether it's a bachelor's, a master's, um, or even a PhD. Um, but then also their certification as well, whether it's through some, um, the bigger organizations such as um, American College of Sports Medicine, um, NASM, or ACE. Um, those pair very, very well. Now, obviously, when it comes to uh, our um, when it comes to certifications, you can also become a um, personal trainer with just the certification and not the degree. But um, ha- so having a trainer who has the degree as well as having the certification um, makes a huge difference because uh, the certification is great and it provides a framework and a guideline for everyone to go by. But uh, the degree offers a wealth of knowledge and a lot more depth then obviously the certification um, can provide or give the uh, trainer. So the degree helps the trainer understand the muscle groups, the biology, the physiology, and the certificate is uh, making sure they know the how-to part of it. Is is that the difference between the two? Absolutely. Okay, yeah. And and I also want to talk about injury. You know, I think that's such a concern of how do you avoid injury and whether a person's doing an exercise mm-hmm. in a correct way. Right. Um, what advice would you give people to avoid injury? Um, first things first is always listen to your body. <laughs> um, so, and unfortunately, so the downfall of uh, communities is uh, the community may be at um, a certain level. Uh, and you really love that community, you're a part of it, um, 
but you just may not be feeling well that day or just not or just having an off day. And that happens to anyone and everyone. So just being mindful of your body and what you're doing that day. Uh, it just may be days or maybe weeks and maybe even a month where you're just having to tone it down and uh, just change things just so um, that you uh, prevent injury because no one knows your body better than you. So you just really have to listen to your body and make those cognizant decisions uh, before you engage, whether it's a personal trainer or uh, a group a group sport group um, or group activity. Mm-hmm. And are there groups that you think um, should avoid exercise? For example, I have patients with arthritis and they feel they may further the arthritis or um, potentially, um, you know, make their condition worse, increase their pain if they exercise. Um, what do you usually say to people who are in that predicament? So I believe exercise is for everyone. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's the way I teed up that question because that's what I say. <laughs> it is. It just depends on how it's being delivered. Um, you know, it. You know, after talking to that person, um, you know, maybe, um, you know, walking, you know, just walking in um in place um sitting in a chair maybe what works best for them uh or you know just different ways to go about any and every exercise um and i will you know love to just talk to them first about you know what's the barrier why don't they think exercise is for them and they may and it may come down to just a mental barrier of uh, a past experience um, or maybe they saw something on TV and they just think that physically they can't do it. And it may be the case, may not be the case, just depends um, on where they're at. But again, there's many different ways um, to go about it. Um, from my experience, uh, tr- uh, working with those who are 60, 70, um, 80 and higher in age, um, I can take certain exercises that I use with them and I use them for uh, your middle-aged um, category, as well as even when it comes to um, like your teenager, um, early 20 co- um, college age students, it's the same exact exercise and they all love it. But the way it's, the way I present it or execute it would be com- a little different. Or you modify different. the exercise for the specific individual or their condition. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, do you find that in people who maybe get pain after the initial session you know is there anything that you do differently the next time around um is there any rule of thumb you have around pain because sometimes it's a good type of pain if you will and that it's really helping them build muscle and sometimes it's injury pain um do you give people any guidance around pain um and how to interpret it and work with it Absolutely. So I feel like it's kind of a two-part question. So um, if someone came to me and uh, depending if we're saying a big group fitness class, then I may say, hey, let's, let's, um, let's, work, let's work together in maybe a small group where it might be three or four of us, three or four um, members or patients, and, th- and that's it. And then as I'm able to focus and give more attention to that person, if they're still experiencing pain, then that might be another conversation where I say, hey, let's work one-on-one so you have my undivided attention and I can really see exactly what's going on. And also uh, for me, as well as other experienced professionals, um, 
not being scared to refer to a doctor or to a physical therapist or occupational therapist um, if it's just not working. Yeah. And, and Robert, I have to ask, so what is your favorite exercise? <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> um, I, I, w- I would say, um, honestly, um, I really do like um, like running. Um, I feel uh, uh, and running outside, um, especially because when you're running outside, you run into so many different variables, whether it's a hill or um, going uphill, downhill, a slope, um, whatever it may be. So I love the challenge of of, not, of knowing knowing that I don't know what's around the corner. Um, I know I'm going to be running, but I don't know if again where. If it's uphill, downhill, wherever it may be. So I, I like that challenge because it's uh, as long as I'm running in different areas, then it's always a challenge. Mm-hmm. And with the time we have left, is there anything we haven't touched on or any advice you want to share with our listeners? Um, I would say um, for anyone who is currently exercising and they've kind of hit that proverbial wall of they feel like they can't progress or for the person who may be um, at home um, listening and they're on the couch and they just need that initial push is do what you can because what you can do is plenty doesn't matter where you're starting off at just start that's great advice robert thank you so much for joining us today thank you The Whole Health Cure is brought to you by Emory Lifestyle Medicine and Wellness. For more information about wellness assessments, classes, and other resources, please visit our website, emoryhealthcare.org livewell. This material is copyrighted by Emory University.